Well, good morning, everybody. It's great to be back at Monty. I looked at my diary. I was here in March, and it seems I come right after a trip. And all uh, a lot of people think that all I do is go away, but I do run a small foundation. Some of you may not know. And I was in China looking at uh, the disabled uh, children with ICC. Lee and I went last year. And so, if you want to walk the walk, walk the wall. It doesn't have to be a literal wall. It just can be a walk where you raise money. Uh, A great organisation. Uh, a really, really worthwhile cause. So I would highly recommend that to you. Father's Day is always a challenge. I got coffee and toast in bed this morning. Spoilt I was. And uh, I told Julie, but this is all wrong because you're not my father. She didn't seem to get that. But I did hear about a family that was sitting around the dining room table and the little five-year-old girl said, Daddy, you're the boss, right? And Dad was very pleased and stuck his chest out and said, Yes, my little princess, that's correct. And the girl continued, that's because mum made you in charge, right? (laughs) (laughs) Children have a way of hitting the nail on the head sometimes. So fathers, welcome to Father's Day. I'm sure you'll be spoiled. The brief that I was given this morning was to to look at uh, James chapter 3. I must confess, it was a little easier than Romans chapter 3, which I got last time I was here. But uh, James chapter 3 is one of my uh, favourite passages, passages and I want to talk about setting life's direction because it was a, as I was studying this and, and uh, um, Garth and I talk about it probably two months out, three months out and then once I've got the chapter I read it over and over in my devotions and think about it over the course of the next few weeks. So someone says to me, how long does a sermon take? Well, you know, a lifetime <laughs> as we think about it and meditate on that. Perhaps just before we jump in there, I would just let you know that I've just been uh, in India uh, visiting some project partners in India where we are building schools for the Dalits. These are the untouchables, the outcasts, the scheduled tribal castes. I visited an orphanage there. I've been on the Thai-Burma border with some donors of ours, a couple of informal border crossings into Burma to go to an IDP camp, an internally displaced people's camp. It was monsoon up there, not a good time to go. One of our partners said, Richard, why don't you come back when it's the dry season? He said this as he was winching us up this uh, one metre deep mud in his four-wheel drive to get us into a Karen tribal village in the north of Thailand. So two winches in and we had to chop up this tree that had fallen over the road. That was just to get to the village that we were visiting where we stayed overnight. I also spent a day in Klong Toy in the slum with Ashenange Barker in, uh, in Bangkok. So uh, last week I was in Sydney and it was my privilege to uh, spend uh, a few days with some of Australia's most generous Christians uh, in a group called the Foundations Forum. And uh, these generous Christians meet together once a year to uh, encourage each other and to spur each other on to love and good deeds. And uh, these people in this room are funding a significant amount of the uh, Christian ministry happening both in Australia and overseas. So uh, I go from the slums of India to uh, the Pullman Hotel in downtown Sydney and uh, the amazing contrast is sometimes hard to comprehend. I stayed with some friends and uh, he said, come on, I'm taking you out on the boat. So from the slums of India to belting up Sydney Harbour on a 45-foot motorboat at about 70 k's an hour, um, I just shake my head and say, God has given me the best job in the entire planet. And, uh, and the chance to share with you about what God's taught me about James 3 
in the last many years in my Christian life. I've been reading James since I was just a teenager and found it very, very helpful. I want to, uh, I want to basically just uh, give you uh, four, five, uh, five points. I'll make them quick because I know you all want to go home and you all want to spend Father's Day together. So there are five things I want to say. First of all, remind us that we are not perfect yet. Some of us probably don't need that reminding about that. That our speech actually uh, reflects our lives. And I'll be talking briefly about that. Our tongue sets life's course. And that's been a challenge. As I've studied this passage, as I've read the, the, the reading and I've thought about it, I realise how far short I fall of the standard that God has set for us. The next thing is that God requires consistency in the way we live and the way we speak and uh, then we have to think about whether or not we have earthly or heavenly wisdom. So let's just continue through. We'll go through into this. Not perfect yet. James 3, 2 says we all stumble in many ways. I don't think that's an actual revelation. Uh, we all do make mistakes. For the person who hasn't made a mistake this morning, perhaps you could just put your hand up and I'll talk to you afterwards. You can counsel me. <laughs> but uh, we are not perfect and we all do make mistakes. The Bible says uh, in 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 to 10, if we claim to be without sin... We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. However, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. We all stumble in many ways. Uh, I remember the bumper sticker some years ago. It tells you that you're old when you remember bumper stickers. But it uh, said, Christians aren't perfect just forgiven and as we think about that it's a simple enough thing but as Christians we aren't perfect we often make out to people that we are we often can come across as supercilious and, and uh, with little halos on because we go to church and that makes, us, that makes us really good people but we like anybody else will stumble and fall as the Bible says but we have this amazing uh, God who wants to forgive I never actually thought till this morning about thinking about our Heavenly Father on Father's Day. I don't know why I haven't got to that. But thinking about the attributes of our Heavenly Father as a Father and what He had to go through when He sent Jesus to die for our sin as we remembered this morning. The Bible also says if we can control our tongues, we will be perfect. If we can control our tongues, we will be perfect. But you know what? Uh, of all the things, uh, if I look at my life, I got most of the big stuff sorted. Morally, you know, I'm sorted. Uh, I read my Bible regularly. I have, uh, you know, involvement in the community. We're generous in what we do and our time and our donations. But the one thing that really I, I struggle with is my tongue. It's probably because I've got a quick tongue and a sharp brain and my wife will tell you that things come out that shouldn't come out um, and it's my tongue that gets me into trouble every time. So we're not perfect yet and let's not use that as the excuse to say, well, I'll never try. But perfection is what God's asked us for. But the amazing thing is that he has made a way that when we do fail, that we can seek for his forgiveness and the recognition that we have failed. Our speech reflects our life. The little sign says, sorry, I can't be perfect. Our speech, I believe, is a reflection of how we are doing in our Christian walk. 
If you want to know what your spiritual temperature is, think about how you speak when no one's listening or when, when you're with friends or you're driving down the road and someone cuts you off or you hit your um, finger with a hammer or if something goes wrong at home or with the kids. Think about what you think then and that's a bit of a litmus test to see uh, how our life is doing spiritually. In James chapter 3 and verse 2, anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. I wonder if you or I have ever said something in haste. No sooner has the word left your lips than you go, ooh, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said that. And you feel really bad, but it's too late. The words have already gone. The Bible says when we get our speech right every time, then we will be perfect. And I thought, who do I know that gets their speech right every time? And the only person I could come up with was Jesus. It didn't mean that it was all sweetness and life and everything he said was absolutely uh, pristine. He challenged people. He said some hard things. He made some very strong statements. He stood on what he believed was right. So it doesn't mean that we should all be mamby-pamby and that everything's got to be so sweet and nice that we've got to be nice to everybody. It means that we have to let our speech be tampered by the Spirit of God and that when we need to address an issue, we need to do it with grace and integrity and with the right words. But Jesus, if you look through, think about Jesus' speech and what he said and that will give us an indication as to how our lives should be. Father's Day, husbands, have you ever said the wrong thing to your wife? I'm sure that's never happened. You've never made a comment offhandedly that she wasn't very impressed with. Wives, I'm wondering if you've ever talked your husband's ear off when he didn't want to listen. I'm sure that's never happened to anybody here. Children have left, but I wonder if as children you've ever ignored what your parents uh, said to you and you've just totally ignored um, anything that they've said. These are the things, that are the, the uh, actual the reality of what it's about, about our speech, about saying the wrong thing, about learning to listen, about honouring our parents, as we talked about earlier this morning. In James 1.26, those who consider themselves religious and do not, uh, yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongue deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Keeping a tight rein on our tongue and the value of our religion are actually put side by side in this passage in the Bible. If we don't keep a tight rein on our tongue, this verse says our religion is worthless. So what does that mean? It means that if our religion means something to us, if our faith in God means something to us, then the opposite is true. It will help us temper what we say and it will help us say the right thing and it will help us filter what we say before we open our mouths. Now, I've done a bit of research and I've managed to come up with 35 negative ways that we can use our tongue. I didn't think there were so many ways but I thought just uh, so that we'd be really depressed at the end of this message I would put them up there and uh, what I'd like you to do as they come up on the screen is to think about, you might not be able to see them from the back but I'll read them through what we, I'd like you to do is just keep a mental note of how many times you did that thing in the last, let's just not be nasty, let's just say seven days. So there are four forms of lying. There is deceitfulness, there are half-truths, exaggerations, flattery. There is manipulation. We can be hasty, we can be divisive, I can be negative, critical, argumentative, boasting, self-deprecating, we can be slandering, we can gossip, 
We can be meddling. We can be betraying, belittling. I wonder if actually people feel better after spending time with us than before. So easy to belittle people. We can be cynical or sarcastic. We can come across as know-it-alls. We can be harsh. We can be tactless. We can be intimidating. We can actually be rude. We can be judgmental. We can become self-absorbed. We can curse. We can complain. We can retaliate. We can be accusative. We can be discouraging. We can actually be doubting. We can be verbose. We can be indiscreet. Or sometimes we can even be silent. The silent treatment is a very negative thing. And sometimes people, I won't mention which gender, but some of them are very good at that if we men do the wrong thing. <laughs> there are 35 negative ways on this list to, uh, to use our tongue. And as I read that, I have to say I was challenged. I'm wondering if anyone's brave enough to admit they actually didn't do any of those things in the last seven days. Anyone able to put their hand up? I can't. I actually counted 11 as I went through it. 11 things just in the last week that I failed on, on that, uh, on that basis. So it's tough to keep control of our tongues. It needs the wisdom that can only come from above if we're to be wise about what we do. And I think actually for myself, awareness of these things is a big part of it. Awareness of, of the fact that God is not pleased when he sees these traits come out in the way we speak. Our tongue sets life's course. In James 3, 6, and I hadn't seen this before, I read this passage dozens, probably uh, 20, 30, 50, 100 times. But James 3, 6 says, it corrupts the whole body, it sets the whole course of one's life. And this was a fresh thought for me as I prepared this. Our tongue sets the whole course of our life. What we say or what we choose not to say can actually determine the course of our life. As we think about those, we think about some images that the Bible talks about. If it'll come up, there it is. What about that? A horse and a bit. The Bible talks about the bridle, the bit in the horse's mouth guides the horse. There's the first image. Second image is a ship and a rudder. Small rudder, huge ship. I did live on one of those for a while so I know a little bit about shipping. But you could actually move that rudder and when the ship's making headway it'll actually turn. So a small rudder will drive and direct the, uh, the, the uh, course, the bearing of a large, large ship. What's the next image the Bible talks about? A bushfire, a forest fire, a bushfire is set aflame by a tiny little spark. And you look at that bush and some of you may have been caught in bushfires so you know what it's like a small spark can have that sort of devastating effect and what's the other thing the other thing of course is our tongue our tongue sets the course of our lives our tongue will uh, build relationships with others or it will destroy relationships with others our tongue will be a good testimony for our faith or it will become a bad testimony for our faith. And I believe that this passage is very simple, it's very plain, James 3.6. It corrupts the whole body, it sets the whole course of one's life. 
as we think about the power of our tongue, not the tongue itself, but what the tongue helps us to say, it will set the course of our whole life. And consistency, please, consistency is required. Consistency is far better than rare moments of greatness. You know, we all have uh, rare moments of greatness and uh, we always wow someone occasionally, sometime, but consistency is actually uh, better required because it's Father's Day I thought I'd give you a male sort of illustration <laughs> on the golf course there's a couple of golfers here because they're all laughing <laughs> but I can hit a really good drive sometimes I can hit it 250 metres and it goes straight down the middle of the fairway and the next one I top it and it goes off at right angles into the bush and takes the window out on the clubhouse <laughs> And golf is about consistency and if you can hit the ball straight, you don't always have to hit it far, but if you can hit it straight and accurately, not just once, but every time, you can become a pro. And you, can, you can work the circuit and you can make a lot of money. <laughs> no? We've got a pro here. <laughs> He's making a lot of money? No. <laughs> I'll talk to you about sponsorship later. <laughs> Consistency is the game. Is that true if you're a golfer? It's about cons- Be good all the time. Be good all the time. James 3 says, Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. How can that be? We can one minute praise someone, the next minute curse someone. It, 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 consistency is what God's on about. My brothers and sisters, James says, this should not be. Real simple. This should not be. Consistency, please, is what God asks of us. To be consistent, consistently good, I might add, just in case you're wondering, but consistently good in the way we use our tongue and and how we use speech. How can we be consistent with our tongue? How can we uh, use it for good? I believe that when we are, um, are filtering that through the truths of Scripture, through what it really means to be a Christian, through asking God to help us and to work out our life on a day-to-day basis, the filter of God's word, the filter of our faith is what will help us to be consistent. Now there are 33 positive ways to use our tongue and I'm going to throw those up and just uh, walk you through those very quickly. I've got an eye on the clock here. Okay, so here are 33 positive ways to use our tongue and I want you to keep a quick check and see how many you came up with that you used in the last seven days. We can pray. We can talk to others about our trust in God. We can express our gratitude to others. We can tell the truth. We can admit a mistake. We can be quick to apologise. We can confess our faults to God and to others. We can applaud someone's achievement. We can ask for help. We can offer to assist. We can comfort someone who is hurting. We can communicate our expectation. We can give a sincere compliment. We can confront an interpersonal conflict. We can pledge our support for someone. We can defend someone else against criticism. We can discourage gossip. We can express appreciation. We can offer constructive feedback. We can share our knowledge. We can keep a secret. We can protest evil. We can offer a new idea. We can recite scripture. We can reconcile parties that may be in conflict. We can relate a meaningful story. We can tell a good joke. We can express hope or optimism. We can encourage someone to persevere under trial. 
we can express concern for each other, we can say please, we can sing a song and we can speak of God's goodness. Isn't that a great contrast to the other list? And isn't it so easy to think about some of those things if we are Christians, if we love Jesus, we want to serve him, if we want to be good testimonies and witness for him, those are the things that should be on our list and uh, that we should be uh, very, very much aware of. So consistency please. The last point I will make is heavenly or earthly wisdom. And I'm covering the whole chapter. I could have taken one verse and done the whole lot on one verse but I wanted to give you an overview of the chapter. Heavenly or earthly wisdom. Earthly wisdom is all about envy and ambition. And envy, the Bible says, brings about disorder. If we are envious of something, we bring about disorder. At the Spitbridge Marina on Thursday afternoon, when I was going out on my friend's boat, I saw this yacht. It was about 45 feet. The little yacht I've got a quarter share in is six metres long. It's a trailer sailor. I think the, the, the cost to slip this yacht would cost what my entire boat would cost. But I had a look and the, and the lady said, oh, come and have a look. It's really nice. <laughs> And I must confess, I walked onto this beautiful yacht in Sydney Harbour and I walked across the teak deck and down the stairs and saw the accommodation and the galley and I saw the way it was set up and you could sail it by yourself and it was set up with a self-furling jib and a self-furling main and it was beautiful. I said, how much? She said, oh, it's only $360,000. I went, "Mm, thank you, bye. I must confess to you, for a, for a slight second, there was a little touch of envy in my life. Just a, just a smidge. It was gone very, very quickly because I knew it was just never going to happen. But the Bible does say that envy can bring about disorder. And if I had been captured by that yacht and I had said, I want one of those, I could have spent the next 10 years of my life crawling and striving and manipulating and doing all sorts of things to get that yacht and the truth is if I wanted it I probably could have had it but the things I would have had to do to get it would have actually could have also have destroyed me envy brings about disorder and if we're looking at earthly wisdom ambition brings about evil and, uh, and if you think about this this is a definition of ambition uh, a, a long, long journey fueled by ambition can sometimes end very, very badly. Here's a salmon gone 1,500 kilometres up a river to spawn and the bear is waiting for it at the top of the falls. And sometimes uh, ambition, driven by the wrong thing, can end very badly for us. Ambition, the Bible says, can end up uh, with e- as evil. And, uh, and heavenly wisdom... The Bible's talking about heavenly wisdom uh, is, uh, th- has a very, very different scenario for us. Heavenly wisdom is pure. It is peace-loving. It is considerate. It is submissive. It is merciful. Heavenly w- wisdom produces good fruit in our lives. It's impartial. It's sincere. It's peacemaking. And it's righteous. So there's the contrast uh, with heavenly wisdom in our lives. And as I think about these five things, I think, wow, James 3 has really got it right. He, uh, he worked it out very, very well. I've got one more here thing for you. There it says, Jesus said, blessed 
are the peacemakers. And if we think about, we think about earthly wisdom, we think about uh, envy and ambition and disorder and evil, and if the Bible says we think about heavenly wisdom, we think about peacemaking and consideration and submission, all those things. So there we have it, James 3, setting life's direction. The tongue will set the direction of our lives. And the, the uh, five points, we're not perfect yet, I think we'll all agree with that, The next one is that our speech actually does reflect our lives. Third point that I made is that our tongue does set our life's course, so be careful how we use it. Consistency in our speech and our life is what God requires of us. And uh, are we uh, portraying heavenly or earthly wisdom in our lives? I want to thank you for the chance to share with you this morning. And I'm going to close in prayer and ask that God will guide us in the way we use our tongues in the coming week. Father God, we confess that so often we fail, especially with our tongues, with our thoughts, with the way we operate. And Lord, we thank you for this very, very practical reminder in James that our tongue is like a bridle or a bit or a ship rudder or a spark that sets a forest fire. And Father, I pray that you'll give us wisdom in what we say and how we say it. I pray that as we think about these 33 good and 35 bad ways we can use our tongue, that you'll help us to be aware of those, that you'll help us to understand that you want us to be salt and light in the community where you've placed us, that you want to be positive with our family, you want us to be positive with our neighbours, with those we work with. And Father, I pray that people will see your love in us because of what we say and how we say it. Help us this week, we pray, and bless this church, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks.